Hi everyone, I am Emily Landers and this is How'd She Do That? A podcast answering that question each episode. I am so happy that you all are here today. Thank you guys so much for listening. And I want to extend a very special welcome to anyone who's listening for the very first time. If this is your first time listening to How'd She Do That? Welcome. Thank you so much for letting me be a small part of your day. And if this is your, gosh, 10th episode, wow, thank you so much for hanging in there with me for the last 10 weeks. I cannot believe that the podcast has been running for 10 weeks. That's insane. And you all have been so incredible. Thank you guys again for the amazing reviews you've left on Apple, for sharing it with a friend. And really, word of mouth is just the most amazing gift you can give to me. If you're loving the podcast, tell somebody, share it with somebody. This has been so much fun. And I think today with this episode with Amanda, you guys guys are going to hear we had a lot of fun. I am so excited to share this conversation. And in fact, the moment that I stopped recording with Amanda, I was excited to share this conversation with you. Amanda is so personable and so kind right away. I think you're really going to tell we hit it off. She was incredible. And the wisdom and the insight that she shares in regards to networking, making real life connections uh, on social media, growing your platform, building an audience, writing a cookbook, not just one, but two. And then even most recently, we have to say since recording, congratulations, Amanda. She has launched her new restaurant, Radish, in Nashville. If you guys are in Nashville, you are going to want to go and check out Amanda's new restaurant. You can follow it at Radish Eats on Instagram. Check it out. I'm going to put in a request. We need one in Los Angeles, Amanda. Congratulations again. And you Guys, without further ado, here is Amanda Fredrickson on How'd She Do That? Hi, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of How'd She Do That? Today's guest is one I am so excited to speak to. After finding some of Amanda's delicious recipes online, I've so enjoyed seeing her family grow over the past few years and love trying her new recipes as an avid fridge forager. You'll need to check out her Instagram or website for that reference. Amanda is a cook, recipe developer, and cookbook author living in Nashville, Tennessee. She's the author of Simple Beautiful Food, which came out in April of 2020, as well as the Staub cookbook published in the fall of 2018. When Amanda isn't creating new recipes, traveling, making her house a home, or overseeing the successful launches of her cookbooks, you will likely find her creating new recipes, sharing her love of cooking with others, exploring Nashville, or relaxing with her beautiful family. Amanda, welcome to How'd She Do That? Thank you so much. I'm thrilled to be here. I am so happy to have you, and I can't wait to dive in because I probably know a little bit more about your story as just an avid, I don't know if I would say fan, maybe a distant friend. <laughs> I love it. That's the way we should say it. <laughs> I think so, too. It makes me a little less creepy, no. but but truly, <laughs> truly following you and oh my gosh, seeing your darling family, I'm just ready to dive in and and really share your story from, gosh, the, the beginning of, of all that you've started and all that you've created. 
Okay, perfect. Do you want to start at the beginning? <laughs> I do. I do. And and by doing so, I would say, you know, what did it look like when you were kind of in perhaps that post-grad season of life, maybe where you went to school? What did that season kind of look like for you? Okay, yeah. So I um, will kind of give you the short backstory. I grew up in Florida um, and went to college in Boston. And when I was in um, college, I kind of started to think about how much I loved to cook. But at that time, it was like the early 2000s, you know, cooking wasn't really a career. And so I kind of went off into a different direction. I ended up going to school and studying communications and a minor in art history. Um, And then after college, I ended up working, um, I did a little PR for a while, and I was horrible at it, and ended up in uh, working at the Met Museum in New York, where I did a bunch of their fundraising events and their development. And it was really during that time that I kind of started to see maybe a little more career path for people who loved food, um, whether that was doing event planning, working in catering, doing like that sort of thing, um, which kind of piqued my interest. And then after I left, I moved from New York City um, in 2006 and moved to San Francisco. And San Francisco is kind of where the gates opened and I really found um, my beat in life. When I moved there, San Francisco you know, every facet is really intertwined with the food community out there. You can get amazing food just on like a corner bodega. You know, every part of it has um, locally sourced food, just delicious, fresh, amazing produce and um, baking companies. And it's just really a vibrant food community, community, obviously out there. And when I moved there, I was just really taken aback. Um, And that's really when I started to dive in. Oh my goodness. Well, what did that look like? Was that you doing things at home, kind of recipe testing? Was there a community that you dove into or was this actually a role that you got in San Francisco that took you into the food scene? So I stayed in the nonprofit development world when I moved to San Francisco. I worked at um, San Francisco Ballet and did a lot of their development events. Beautiful. Yeah, similar to what I did um, at the Met Museum, kind of big events, uh, ways to uh, raise awareness. Um, and money for these institutions. Um, But it was in kind of my free time that I really kind of fell in love with food and saw um, a path forward. I would spend the weekends just cooking out of cookbooks, cooking for myself, going to farmer's markets, just being blown away by, you know, all of the the smells and all the textures and the colors of all the the food at the farmer's market. You know, I grew up in the 90s, 80s and 90s in Florida, and we never really, you know, went to farms or, you know, <laughs> from Publix, which I love Publix, but that's the extent of where I knew that the food world came from. And I think there's a lot of people like me um, that didn't really realize that there was a whole world outside of just the grocery store. Um, mm-hmm. It sounds really silly to say that now, but I think um, it just wasn't ingrained in us growing up. And mm-hmm. when I went to San Francisco, I realized that the whole ecosystem around food existed and it was um, easy to access in San Francisco. And so while I was at the ballet, I was doing food and kind of cooking on my own. Um, and then I met my husband and I, I basically just started spending all of my free time cooking for us um, <laughs> because it sounds silly, but I had someone else to feed. You know, I loved to bake and then it would be <laughs> me in a giant cake in my apartment. <laughs> to this day, I can't be left alone with like a baked good. So I had someone to kind of experiment with and, um, and cook with and cook for. And so from there, we would just kind of entertain, we'd have people over, we would try new restaurants, try new food, and then my kind of love of food just grew and grew. I took some recreational cooking classes just to see what that would look like. 
um, and just continued to cook. And it was probably three or four years of me doing, you know, just cooking on the side, cooking for fun. Um, when I really started to think about maybe I could do this professionally or figure out a way to weave it into what I'm doing professionally. And then, um, I left, I left the ballet and went to work at, um, the Stanford, Stanford university's children's hospital. I was raising money for children without insurance, which is amazing. And it's, it's an incredible opportunity to help those that needed access to care. Mm -hmm. Um, but all the while I was just thinking about food and how I could cook Mm -hmm. and what I wanted to cook for dinner. What did I want to have, you know, people over on Sunday and have a Sunday night dinner. And so food just continued to be my passion on the side. Mm-hmm. And then I was at the Children's Health Foundation at Stanford for about um, three years, and I loved it. But it was kind of like the golden handcuffs, right? Like you have a great mm-hmm. job, has great vacation. You know, I think they give us six weeks paid vacation you know, a year, which this was 2009, which before like the unlimited vacation, it just kind of seemed like a dream. You got sabbatical <laughs> for a number of years. You could work from home, like all of these great benefits. Um, but I just, I wasn't fulfilled with what I was doing. And I had my, um, my review, my annual review with my boss who I adore. And he was like, you are the hardest worker I've ever met. You, you know, like, I know you will always get things done. You just work so hard. He just kept on saying that. And then the back <laughs> of my mind, and he pretty much was giving me a raise and a promotion. And I was like, this isn't what I want to do. Like, this is an amazing foundation, but it's not my passion in life. Right. So I, I left his office after he gave me like a promotion and raise. And I called my now husband and was like, oh, I think I want to quit my job and go to cooking school. Um, and so around that time, I had just kind of like a kismet email from Jody Liano, who started San Francisco Cooking School in San Francisco. I had met her through another cooking school. And she just came to me and was like, you know, I'm opening up a school. Come on by. Let's chat. And it was really from there that I took it from a, a sign from the universe and um, quit my job and went to cooking school. Oh, my gosh. And I, you just said a term I've actually never heard, but I kind of got chilled. Golden handcuffs. Yes. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. I know. I know. It's, a, it's, <sighs> it's crazy to think about. And I think it. Um, a lot of us have been there where you know, you're going to take a leap of faith doing something that you're super passionate about, but it's easy to stay where you are because you know, you don't know what's on the other side of that leap sometimes. Right, exactly. But for you, you, you really were able to recognize, okay, the things that I'm doing in my free time, I could actually be doing as a job. So what did that first kind of season look like in cooking school and, and fill me in for someone who doesn't know uh, the ins and outs of cooking school? Do you go in with a specific route or what, what, how does that, is there a field you pick? What does that kind of look like? Or is it really all encompassing? What did that look like for you? So for me, I I loved, obviously, the owner of the cooking school. I really connected with her. She was so well intertwined and connected within the food space in San Francisco. Um, You didn't really go in, and this may have been, this may be different now. This was, I guess, seven years ago. Um, I knew I didn't want to work in a restaurant. I think I was 30 or 31 at the time, and I knew I wanted to have a family soonish. Um, and I didn't think working a line at the restaurant was compatible with just the lifestyle I was used to with my husband, right. um, being able to see him at night and or having kids or being pregnant, but I wanted to be in that food world. And so I knew that that was the outcome I wanted. Um, I didn't know what that was going to look like, but I knew I trusted like the journey, if that makes sense. I knew I, you know, I knew I could figure it out, um, after cooking school, 
just by trusting um, in my abilities and myself. And so I went to cooking oh. school and it was incredible. You know, it was six months. It was geared towards people like me where you are career changers. You don't have years to kind of switch careers. It's six months in and out. Oh. This is um, a time to just really do it and not take off, you know, a long time um, just to make it more, I guess, approachable or realistic. So it was incredible. It was four months in a kitchen classroom where we cooked all day and we did things that I never thought I would do, like breaking down a pig. Um, oh my I never gosh. thought that I would butcher a pig. That was never something I ever dreamed of doing. And I wouldn't say I loved it, but it was super fascinating. Um, and, and I think that that's an important you know, industry and understanding how to break down an mm. animal and having respect for that. So it's not what I love wow. to do, but you know, <laughs> it is, um, I have immense respect for butchers and um, people who do it for a living. But I got to experience all of these things that I didn't really realize I could do or I was capable of doing. Um, and it just opened my eyes to this whole food world. And so after four months in um, a kitchen classroom cooking everything um, that you can possibly imagine, I ended up going to a restaurant to work um, in their kitchen for a couple months in order to graduate. And that oh, was wow. one of the kind of like the hardest thing um, I've ever done. It was so exhausting. And I have deep respect for people working the lines at restaurants. Um, and I was the only woman in the kitchen. And it just, you know, it opens your eyes to kind of um, what that can look like. Right. And you really see how hard it is for women to find their space in the food world, especially the restaurant world. Um, right. There was no other, there was one other um, woman in the kitchen and she had quit by the time, like, I think my second week or something. And it was the right. Oh yeah, young 20 something guys running on adrenaline. And it just, it didn't seem like my, <laughs> my place. But I learned so much um, in that kitchen. And then while I was there, um, I connected with the manager of the Williams Sonoma Test Kitchen. She had written the cookbook oh. for this restaurant that I was working at. And um, she basically said, you know, I have um, a test kitchen cook that's going on maternity leave. Do you want to come in and talk about it? And I just jumped at the chance. I was like, whenever you need me, I'll be there. Wow. Um, and so uh, that's kind of where my Williams Noma journey started. Oh, wow. It's so fun to think about just not only being in the, the right place at the right time, but even just thinking, you know, shortly hearing this brief part of your story, there were different connects along the way. So actually being able to meet the owner of the cooking school, and then you're mm -hmm. in the right place in the restaurant, and it takes you to the next step beginning at Williams-Sonoma. Were you just elated? What did that kind of step into the Williams-Sonoma world look like? What did a day in that office look like? Very different from the restaurant, I'm sure. Very different. Um, I was over the moon. It's the dream job in the food world to work in a yeah. town. You know, it's nine to five. You have benefits. You have vacation time. Um, it's basically wow. a corporate job, but you're cooking. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and it was, it was phenomenal, and it completely shaped my um, my food visions, kind of how I thought about food, where I wanted to go, um, food styling, kind of using food in different ways to market and advertise. And I think it really set me up for where I am today. Um, I will say before I kind of jumped into the test kitchen, I tried working at catering companies and tried, and I think around that time I started a blog, but it really was jumping into the test kitchen that kind of sent me on my way to kind of figuring out where I wanted to go in the food world. Um, and day to day would change. And, you know, some days we would be cooking all day. I was in charge of all of the recipes for the catalog. So anytime you open and you still open the catalog and you see like a gorgeous recipe for a mac and cheese or something, um, I was responsible for those. And then there was only one other person in the, 
kitchen with me, which is crazy to think about. And um, they would do all of the packaged goods. They would do anytime you go into the kitchen or anytime you go into William Sonoma and you would see, um, you know, like a cupcake package or, you know, a brownie mix that would come from her. Wow. Um, So, yeah, so it was um, an amazing experience. And I was there for almost two and a half years um, before I left. Oh my gosh. Now, when you're saying that you both are creating the the recipes, because this is really mind blowing for someone like me who just follows your recipes and has no idea how to make one. <laughs> who's giving the approval for the said mac and cheese? Are you the final taste bud? Or is it, are you both tasting each other? Are you tasting the cupcakes? Is there a little team yeah. that comes in? Or, or what does that look like? Yeah, that's a great question. There is um, a, a team for each of like the two departments. So for my okay kind of role, I'd have, um, 10 people that would come in. I would, I would send out a meeting maker and say, Hey, I'm making mac and cheese for this catalog or this spread, come and taste it. And, um, and it usually, it ended up being people that I became really close with at William Sonoma and they would come in and we would all sit around and we would taste food and just talk. And it was amazing. (laughs) I would try and plan it around lunchtime. So those people could come and have lunch you know, if it was something that was, um, that would work for lunch and we would just talk about food and ways to change it, ways they liked it, ways they didn't like it, um, if it would fit in that spread. And so it made me think about the whole process made me think about how to use food, um, you know, to sell things or use food as more of an advertising way, not just, um, you know, eating it essentially. Right. And even the the food styling element, I'm curious, would you credit because it's it's interesting to hear your route beginning kind of in communications and then being at the Met, and then moving into the ballet, you were actually around a lot of beautiful things before mm-hmm. diving into the food world. Would you credit any of that towards your eye for food styling? Because you, you have the most beautiful images and even working at Williams Sonoma. I mean, do, have you ever put that together? Or would you say yeah. no, no, pretty different? I don't know. That's a really interesting. I've actually never really put it together like that. I mean, I think I appreciate um, beautiful things and different forms of art and expression. Um, And I think food is just another way um, to express yourself. And so I think they kind of all go together like that. Um, But I've never, that's a really interesting point. I've never really thought about that. Um, Yeah. Yeah, it would be fun to think back and just the element of the because as you're saying the beginning of your career, I'm like, wow, you were around and doing beautiful things. And now you've continued into beautifying our plates, which (laughs) I love. It's so, so fun. And, and two, what a what a gift that just backtracking just briefly, what a gift for that to be a six month stint in cooking school. I love Mm -hmm. that. And for anyone listening, who, who you think, no, you know, I majored in XYZ, this is my route forever. Yeah. Wow, there's there's opportunities out there like Amanda found to actually pivot fairly quickly into your dream role. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I will say the six month thing um, is was huge. When I was working at the restaurant, there was another, um, they call them stages, but an externship basically, who was at the CIA in Napa, which is an incredible institution. But that's a two-year program, um, and that is very expensive, not only in tuition, but also you know, having to quit your job. Um, right. At my cooking school, there was the option to go the route of part-time and do you know, your full-time job during the day and then go part-time at night. Um, but I remember Jody saying to me, she's like, if you can just throw everything in and just go 100% full-time and just do it... Um, you'll be less likely to kind of get scared after graduation, you know, less likely to go back to your job after graduation. 
And that really resonated with me to just go for something with all of your might, um, knowing that you'll figure it out um, on the other side. Oh, that's so good and so true. So, okay, I'm back to this timeline because I'm loving it. So you're you're at Williams Sonoma. You're loving it. I mean, gosh, the taste kitchen that just sounds like a dream. Yeah. So, what was the trajectory? I think you said you were there for two years. Is that mm-hmm. right? What yeah. What was the trajectory in the end of that season and recognizing you wanted to do something else? And what was next? Yeah. So I would say, kind of, you know, two years in, two and a half years um, in my husband was working in the finance world in San Francisco and the owner of his firm decided to shut down the firm. Um, she was a woman. She just decided that it was better off just to shut it down. And it gave him pause to think about what he actually really wanted to do with his life as well. Um, that opportunity, because, you know, they had two months to figure out kind of like a next role and interview and start to think and plan. Um, And so he decided to pivot from working in finance to um, wanting to kind of be more involved with startups. And right about that time, I had started thinking about um, what comes next. I've always been, you know, driven by the idea of being my own boss and kind of making my own rules and figuring out how that would play into my life. Um, And so he was interviewing at, we were in San Francisco, obviously, at the time, and he was interviewing with a startup down in Los Angeles, which is where he ended up taking a job down there. Um, and that just kind of solidified the next step, um, in our, both of our careers, he would go work at the startup and then I would, um, go freelance. Oh my gosh. Okay. So this is where the freelance fun comes into the picture or the freelance craziness. Yeah. My, my husband and I, you'll know the area we're actually just inland of Malibu. We're in Agora Hills. And so I knew that you had a stint in Los Angeles and I'm, I'm pumped to hear about it because I'm guessing that there is a lot in common in the food world in, you know, San Francisco Mm -hmm. and in Los Angeles, but there was probably a lot of things that were different. So what was it like when you got down here and was the excitement still there? Were there things that you missed about San Francisco? How did you start to get plugged in? Yeah. So right when I was leaving Williams-Sonoma moving to Los Angeles, I started kind of jumping more into the Instagram world and putting up content and putting up recipes. And I will say from there, I was able to make some really great friends in Los Angeles. I knew some people, but people that I met, especially in the food world, were all from social social media. Had you mm-hmm. kind of told me right after college that I would make friends online, I would have never believed you. Um, <laughs> but I will say both when I moved to Los Angeles and Nashville, I've met some amazing people just through kind of the commonalities of Instagram. Yeah. Um, and so that helped me kind of jump into that, that food space and figure it out. I had some bumps in the beginning trying to kind of find my footing and what I really wanted to do. Um, I will say Instagram and putting, you know, putting yourself out there on social media was a real, um, was, you know, an important step. Yeah, absolutely. To get plugged into the new place and to see mm-hmm. kind of what the buzz is in the new city. It's yeah. funny that people don't always recognize. I mean, even our conversation right now is happening via and through yeah. social media. And and this is real life stuff. It's it's an amazing, fun thing that you and I can connect in this way. So I love that tip just in regards to putting things out that you love on social media and using it as a real tool mm-hmm. and then creating real life connections. I mean, to be moving to a new place and to utilize it in that way, I think is so awesome. Mm-hmm. So what did that first role look like in LA? What were you up to when you first got a gig that was either paying or more long-term, or maybe it was the one you loved the most? What did that first kind of season look like? 
Yeah, I will say um, the first couple months, probably the first six months, you know, I was loving LA. I loved the weather. I loved the people. I loved, you know, the lifestyle, but I was trying to find my footing in terms of actually, you know, making money. Um, I, right. yeah, when I moved to LA, I did take um, a job ghostwriting someone's cookbook that just, oh. I, you know, I had, um, this is just a point where you're just always trust your gut. I didn't trust my gut. I went on more of like, I just have to find work and I'll do it and I'll figure it out. And yes. it turned out to be not the best experience. Um, um, but, you know, I, I started doing that. I, I wrote the cookbook for this person and then also was doing food styling. And it was food styling that I really fell in love with when I was there. I had a great mentor um, who was doing a bunch of cookbook shoots and I would just go and assist her. You know, I was just putting myself out there. I was taking jobs that maybe didn't pay as well as I thought they would, but I was learning so much and meeting so many people that I always said yes to kind of any opportunity that came my way um, as a way just to kind of figure out what I wanted to do freelance style. And at the same time, I was putting on content on Instagram. And that was about the time where people started paying for sponsored posts and that sort of thing. Oh, what year was this? Do you remember? This was 2016. Oh, nice. Okay. See, I mean, I think a lot of my listeners would be like, oh, well, when did that start happening? This was not yeah. long ago, you guys. No. This is still very much a thing yeah. that you can get started in and you can really work in your industry and what it is you're passionate about. That is not long ago. I mean, no. wow. The past four or five years for you have been really crazy. Oh my gosh. Okay. So (laughs) yes, this is so fun though to, to realize, I mean, gosh, this is a very short timeline that we're working with. I'm, I'm, you can hear, I'm kind of like, whoa, I didn't realize that. (laughs) So, so even within looking back, because now we know, we know the beautiful cookbooks that you've actually come out with. Um, and you can probably look back and be like, okay, so that's why I did the ghostwriting. I learned Mm -hmm. so much or, or that's why I was at that shoot. I learned so much there. So I'm curious, when did the inkling of, I could actually do this myself start? So I think with the help um, of social media, knowing that you could build your own community of like-minded people who wanted to see your content, um, Mm. that's when I realized I had a feeling it was there just kind of by hearing people talk about it before when I was in the test kitchen. Um, But I knew that I kind of saw the writing on the wall in terms of Instagram and where it was going in the food world and how to build a community and um, parlay that into different opportunities. And so I basically just kind of right at that time, Instagram was promoting video and I saw that um, people were loving those like kind of hands in the pan, taste made style or tasty style. And I essentially just taught myself how to do that. I watched a ton of YouTubes, bought a camera and then um, bought an editing software, just like on Adobe and just figured out how to make those and kind of start to put up food content that way. Wow. Oh my gosh. A little bit of, I mean, kind of looking at the trends and seeing what's coming and taking advantage of it really Mm -hmm. quickly, I think really helped propel you. I actually remember some of those videos. So that's fun to hear. (laughs) That's fun to hear the thought of of your idea behind it. (laughs) I mean, I had no idea what I was doing. It was me and my kitchen and like a bunch of random equipment and Googling how to do things and, you know, trial and error. But I will say, if you're looking to start kind of doing your own thing or start a new, um, you know, a step in a new industry, and especially in the social media world, look at whatever the social media is promoting. At the time when I started, they were promoting Uh, video. And I saw the power of having them promote my content. 
Um, and so looking forward, just look at whatever social media is on the horizon and what are they promoting and kind of try and find your niche in there. Um, Instagram is obviously what I'm most comfortable with, but if it's TikTok, if it's Pinterest, um, just kind of see what they have on the horizon, either just by doing some research or just watching the platform. That's so good. That's such a great tip. And I think too, I'm I'm just putting together all the pieces of your story because it's incredible to think about, well, that's a real communications element, but then that's also kind of being aware of of just the different patterns in marketing. And then mm-hmm. we've got the food world. I mean, Amanda, it's really fun to see <laughs> and like very specifically how this all came together for you. Oh, and you. I'm curious when we're talking about your audience, I wonder, and this might be a hard question to pull from from the archives of your memory, although it wasn't that long ago, <laughs> but I am curious, was there a time that you really did notice, oh, wow, I really do have a community here? I mean, was it when women started asking you how to do X, Y, Z, or yeah. maybe people said, hey, Amanda, could you show us how to do this? You know, Do you remember any of those first kind of moments of hey, people really, you know, I'm helping people here. I'm really helping. I will actually say, I mean, I think the videos were fun and people liked them, but when I started fridge foraging, um, kind of doing that consistently on my platform every Wednesday is when I I started getting those messages or I love this or you're really helping me or you give me inspiration, which is super um, inspiring and powerful. And, you know, I just got goosebumps and I'm sitting here thinking about it. So that's really when it started. Um, And that, the fridge foraging started out of the idea of I had so many amazing friends, successful friends who would come to me and be like, I'm too afraid to cook. Or, you know, I look at these recipes and they're making me go to like five different grocery stores on the way home. And um, yes. I always wanted, that was never the food that I wanted to cook. Um, and I, I just wanted to empower people to cook with what they have and not feel so overwhelmed by a lot of the recipes that were out there at the time that were using kind of very you know, different kinds of ingredients is just to be different. Um, I just wanted to show people that you can cook with what you have and it'll be delicious and beautiful um, and you can make it work. And so relatable. I love what you just said. <laughs> kind of just putting something different in there to put something different. <laughs> yeah, and that was really, really made me angry and still kind of makes me angry that you just, at the time when I was leaving um, the test kitchen, it was tahini. Tahini wasn't everything. Yes. If it was a cookie, if it was a sandwich they just kind of threw tahini in there and that really made me mad. (laughs) And I like tahini, but I don't think that you have to throw it in everything just because to make it different. I remember the tahini era. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. No, but that's so true. And I think that's what makes you so relatable. The the fridge foraging is next level, you guys. And we're going to give Amanda a chance to tell you where you you can all connect with her. But you're definitely going to want to see that because it's definitely one of those elements that you're like, wow, this is really helpful. And I am going to be back next Wednesday to see what we're going to do. So that's amazing. Now, Jumping back kind of into the timeline of of being in Los Angeles and really getting ready for, I'm guessing, your first cookbook, Mm -hmm. what was the role that you were maybe full-time in or really pursuing, or was there a role that was in line with the cookbook season, or were you like, all right, I'm going head into prep, create recipes? I mean, what did that even, it's like a huge question, but what did that even look like? Yeah. So, um, at the time, and you're, you're mentioning that the stove cookbook, right? The first cookbook that I wrote. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So I think at the time I, 
um, was fortunate enough to just kind of throw myself at a whole, all different types of opportunities, whether that was creating content for myself or working for the food stylist, but I was just trying to see what would stick. Um, and so by doing that and kind of putting yourself out there, I reconnected with an old coworker from William Sonoma and an editor from my now publishing um, house that I just published my latest book with. We were friendly and they kind of came up with the idea to write a stove cookbook um, and knew my history in the test kitchen and knew kind of my love of cast iron. And that's where that came about. It was just making connections and talking to people and, you know, just checking in and saying hi and, you know, reminding them that I was there. Um, that's where kind of the stove cookbook came out of. It was not something that I was running at, but I was running at so many things that it kind of found me, if that makes sense. Wow. Yes, absolutely. And with that, you had a team around you creating recipes. What did the recipes look like for that cookbook? <laughs> it was just me. And it's it's always really just been me. Oh um, my gosh. I can't get my act together to create a team, although I probably need to. <laughs> um, so I write all of my recipes. I test all of my recipes. Um, that was basically working with... Um, my editor, Kelly, and um, my friend from Stowe, Meredith, and we just basically came up with this idea and then sat down in a conference room one day and just I just listed off a whole bunch of recipes that I had brainstormed over the past couple weeks. And then they said, great. And I went and I developed them um, and wrote them for the cookbook. And so that was an interesting cookbook because 75% of those recipes were mine that I came up with um, you know, thinking about kind of drawing on my experience with William Sonoma, drawing on the idea of what would look best and what would work well in um, that specific cast iron piece. Yes. And then 25% came from chefs and other influencers um, in like the stove world. So I just wrote the recipes. I didn't style or take the pictures or anything. Um, it was easy in that, that I could just write the recipes and send them on to a team that would photograph them. Um, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Wow. Okay. So that was the first cookbook. And I'm mm -hmm. already seeing some potential differences yeah. when Simple Beautiful Food came out. So, but those are back to back. I mean, Amanda, did you launch the first <laughs> one and start on the second one? I know it's crazy. Um, so I will tell you that that so Simple Beautiful Food was probably like the fourth or fifth cookbook proposal that I had put together. Um, wow. I had a number of different ideas that just didn't take off. They didn't stick. Um, and I think people oftentimes just think you can put together an idea and make a cookbook. Um, right. I had a number of different ideas. I, one of which I'm kind of, I wish I had capitalized on. It was right before, um, I'm blanking on the, the new pressure cooker that everyone loves the instant. Oh, pot. Yes. Yes. It was right when the instant pot was coming out. My sister, I have an older sister with three kids and she was like, you have to check this piece of equipment out. I'm obsessed. And I, checked it out. And I was like, this could be an amazing opportunity. And I wrote a proposal um, that just didn't really go anywhere. That no one was wow. buying at the time. And so right. um, it's a lot of its timing. And a lot of it is just kind of, again, seeing what sticks. And so I wrote a number of different proposals, um, one more fridge foraging oriented that then was kind of taken and turned into simple, beautiful food. Oh, wow. Oh, my gosh. It's fun to see, too, even the fridge foraging element coming into the simple, beautiful food. And that mm. title right there <laughs> says it all. I've loved many of the recipes oh, in that book. 
They're delicious and they are simply beautiful. So, wow. So you have, and I want to touch on this really quickly because I think a lot of us could look at a successful chef and, and, and cookbook author like you and really think, well, it all lined up. It all just lined up, bam, bam, bam. But you're really sharing, I mean, you had multiple ideas and I'm sure, I'm sure even more than you wrote down, you probably were thinking and brainstorming all kinds of stuff. So what was it about simple, beautiful food? I mean, perhaps it was the one that really people got the most excited about, but in the end, as you're kind of moving forward and starting to create recipes and get everything set up, what was it do you think that stood out uh, specifically for this cookbook out of the others? Yeah, I mean, I think it was um, a combination of fridge foraging. When I put together more of a fridge foraging proposal, um, you know, publishing houses weren't totally crazy about it. But my editor from the Stove Cookbook took the proposal and kind of saw some market opportunities that were missing. And together we came up with this idea for simple, beautiful food. So it definitely has fridge foraging elements, but it also has um, simple recipes, recipes written in a specific format where it's um, just more like you read it instead of looking at the ingredients and then looking at the method where it's more conversational. Um, the size was going to be different. It's a small cookbook. It's not huge, but it's meant to be you know, really cookable. You can leave it on the countertop, go through it. It's not a lot of cookbooks um, can sometimes be more like coffee table books. And I wanted yes. the cookbook to be just really easy to flip through and go through um, and not feel too precious. And so mm. from that and working with my editor, Kelly, um, we came up with this, um, this idea for the cookbook. Oh my gosh. And it came out April of 2020 of this year that we're recording. When did you start working on it? Do you remember like the, the year, the month? I mean, that was yeah. such a quick turnaround, but when did you start working <laughs> on it? And then here it comes in April of 2020. Yeah. So I distinctly remember I was actually, so the Stobe cookbook came out September, 2018, and we were fortunate enough, the number of different chefs um, and influencers who wrote the book, um, submitted recipes. And then when I wrote the book, we all went to the Stobe cast iron factory to celebrate and to kind of check out where this cast iron was being built. And while I was on that trip, um, it was there that my editor emailed and she was like, let's, you know, let's make a, a cookbook out of this. And so it took a number of months to kind of get the um, the like logistics, the contracts, all of that stuff in order. But I started working on it, I think, December 2018. And then wow. um, I, it took me four months to write the recipes and test. And then we shot um, all of the recipes and the cookbook basically over the course of 10 days in my kitchen um, last oh. May. So <laughs> this time last year. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now we're, we might be missing a move here. Was this happening in Los Angeles or was this happening in, (laughs) it was in Los Angeles? No, it was in Nashville. So I'm sorry. Okay. We move around a lot and life goes quickly with us. So, um, basically I had already written the stove cookbook, like the actual, um, recipes and they'd been sent off. And I was pregnant with my first daughter and trying to kind of figure out what was next. Um, I'm originally from Florida and my husband's originally from the East coast. We were thinking about family and how to get closer. Um, and he basically was looking at another job opportunity and got a job here in Nashville. We had friends here and had gone to visit and kind of seen how beautiful it is. Um, and just like easy living. And so when that opportunity came, I was eight months pregnant. And so we moved within like a couple of weeks to Nashville. 
Um, yeah, so we don't really we don't really slow down. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> the Fredericksons are off and running. I know we oh are all the time. Oh um, wow! So I was in Nashville when the Stove Cookbook came out, and then in Nashville um, when I started writing the latest book. Oh my gosh! So so just briefly, because I know this could be a whole entire other conversation. But when you're starting to write simple, beautiful food, is it a? And I, I'm sure every I almost wanted, I was about to call you an artist, but I'm going to go with that. Every artist, (laughs) every chef and artist probably has a different process, but for someone like me, never say never, but I most likely will not. I, I don't see a cookbook in my personal future. What are the steps? What steps did you take? Are you recipe testing? Gosh, I guess there is a little bit of a flow to it, perhaps recipe testing, then photography, you know, X, Y, Z. What does that kind of look like for you? So I think the first step is just brainstorming what these recipes would look like. And it it essentially is me just whatever comes to my brain, I put out on a piece of paper and then I see where, where it goes, whether it's, you know, a really great salad I had at a local restaurant or um, a one pan supper that I wanted to riff on of something I've done in the past, or I've seen, um, I really love looking at cookbooks to get inspiration, but cookbooks that aren't similar at all. So taking, you know, going to like the really fancy French laundry cookbook and seeing what they have, and really looking and seeing kind of how you can take the elements of it, maybe the taste, like the, you know, the taste profile, but not make it so, you know, make it a little easier, make it more of my style. And so I would say for a good month, it's just me thinking and brainstorming and going through things that I've earmarked and just ways that I can make um, different flavor profiles and recipes my own. And then really deep diving into um, writing the recipes and testing them. Wow. And then I guess from there, once you've kind of completed the testing portion, mm-hmm. that's when you line up the the marketing side of things. I mean, how do you beautify it? Do you do so, I'm guessing, multiple times beforehand so you can know what you want it to look like in the book? I mean, these are things people probably don't think about. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I don't think I thought about it before even diving in. So it, it took me about three months to write the, all the recipes and I sent them off to my editor. And there's a whole team at the publishing house, um, not just the editor, but there's also art direction and people that are oh, wow. job is to kind of create um, a design for cookbooks. And so they really helped shape like the look and feel of it in terms of what font to use, what colors should be in it. Um, and then I worked with their artistic director to kind of think about photography um, styles and we pinned a lot of different ideas and colors and textures. And then from that, um, I was able to shoot the photography. But the fonts, like the design really elements of it, that is done by a team, thankfully, um, at 10 speed. Do they give you options to kind of look through and pick or do they say, hey, look, this is really the best option? Yeah, I think they say, look, this is really the best <laughs> Um, I no, I think they wanted more purple in it. And I just did not think that purple went well with food. And so I would push back on that. Um, but they, you know, I let them, that's obviously their jobs. And that's what they were good at. Yeah. So I would, I would give my input, um, where I was kind of, I st- felt strongly about things. Um, but they, they really had the, the design direction in mind. Oh, absolutely. And it's so cool to think about, when you're doing something like this, and I'm kind of getting ahead of myself because I was about to say with your next cookbook, <laughs> oh, but, God, <laughs> <no>. <laughs> <laughs> but perhaps, but perhaps we'll stay on this one. But with this most recent cookbook, it's so cool to to really recognize 
again, a lot of people, Amanda, would, would see what you've done and it's just, it's wow. I mean, it's a very impressive to see your work, to see what you've been able to put out. And, and again, the amazing community that you've built through food and through recipes. But what I'm hearing and what I really love is the teamwork behind it. It sounds like you've had an amazing network, an amazing team, an awesome husband mm-hmm. to be able to say, go for it, Amanda, and to really support you. Do you look back on, maybe this last book, is there someone that you're like, oh, could not have done it without them? Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously my husband has always been really supportive um, because I'm supportive of his dreams. I want, he's very supportive of mine. I think we really yes. complement each other that way. But yeah. I will say um, a friend who I actually just met on Instagram, Judy Kim, she's in New York. I remember, um, you know, we were DMing back and forth, just catching up. And I, I asked her if she knew of maybe a Nashville, um, located food stylist. Cause you know, I'm not sure if many people know, but when you sign on to write a cookbook, you're given an advance and you know, X number of dollars. And then within that X number of dollars, you're in charge of photography, styling, props, testing, um, wow. marketing, and whether you want to hire a PR firm to help you promote the book. Um, oh. and so you look at that kind of advance as a way to, you know, fund what you're doing and also see kind of help the cookbook land where you want it to. And so originally I was just going to photograph and style all of the food just to save money. Um, And then I realized I just, I can't, I can't do it all. That's impossible. There's, you know, it's a hundred recipes that needed to be photographed. Um, Oh my gosh. And so I was DMing back and forth with my friend Judy and I asked her if she knew of a a local food stylist and she was like, well, I'll just do it. I want to do it. And she's a food stylist in New York. And I was like, well, do you want to come down? And she's like, sure. <laughs> so <laughs> we moved in with me and my family for, you know, 11 days. And we just, we knocked out the book, um, styling it and cooking it nonstop, you know, 8am to 6 or 7pm every day. Um, and oh without God. her help, like I would not, it would not have been as beautiful or it, it just would not have been impossible. So she was really the person, um, that really helped me along with this process. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. To think of that friendship and to be just like, Oh, thank you. Saving the day coming in with like a cape on a chef cape of like saving the day. You really did. And I had met maybe briefly once before. I think we had drinks once in New York kind of through the Instagram connection, but we had never spent much time together, but it was just the beauty of this commonality of, you know, Instagram and the food world that we were able to like kind of really connect and then create something together. That's so cool. And for, for my listeners, again, just listen, because Amanda's really talking about, again, real life connections that happen Mm -hmm. through similar passions online, specifically social media. But I think sometimes we can get nervous or, or fearful to, to put out what we love for whatever reason. There's lots of reasons that we might be afraid to step out. But but over the past few years, Amanda has made real life connections that truly have changed her life, her career trajectory. I'm inspired by that, Amanda. It makes me want to continue to reach out to people that are doing things that I love, like yourself, that people that I admire, and really making that real life connection to, to make, gosh, a memory of someone moving in to help yeah. you with your cookbook <laughs> for a week. <laughs> and I will say, um, I think just reach out. That is kind of my advice. You know, some people may not respond or they might kind of, you know, they might not be as warm, but I guarantee you nine times out of 10 people will say yes, or how can I help? Or sure. Let's have a phone call. I try to do it with anyone that reaches out because people have been so gracious with me. I kind of want to pass it on. 
Um, but I think if you just, if you put yourself out there and I know it's scary, um, nine times out of 10 people will return that, you know, and just help you with whatever you're looking to do. Absolutely. And I can reiterate that that's been the case in my career. And again, I'm just giving Amanda credit, even today, even this conversation that that was the case to, to reach out and say, Hey, Amanda, you want to chat about your really cool career? And, and I love that just a, a quick thank you, Amanda, I love that that's the case for you. And that's how you've stepped into your career. And like you said, you know, if you reach out, what's the worst that could happen, they could say no, they could see it and not respond. But it's all good because yeah. there is going to be a handful of people that might come to your house and help you yeah. with your cookbook. <laughs> and then if no one responds or if they see it and don't respond, you probably didn't want them to respond in the end anyways, right? Like you don't, exactly. you don't yeah. want that energy. Um, but uh, I do exactly. encourage people to kind of reach out and make connections. And Instagram or social media can be scary and overwhelming, and um, but it also can be amazing and community building um, when you kind of put yourself out there. Mm, definitely. Well, I do have just a few more questions for sure. you. And this is one that I'm I'm really, really excited to hear, because I don't know that I can make up my own answer for it, which is kind of fun. <laughs> but I am wondering, what is your favorite thing about sharing your recipes? That is a great question. Um, I love I mean, I think it's twofold. I love creating I love the um, idea of creating a recipe from start to finish, making it super streamlined and easy for people to make and create and taste. But I also love, I really love when people are like, I made that it was delicious. It was super easy. Thank you. Or that's become like in the rotation or you saved the night, you know, it came together oh, or yes. I was inspired to go fridge foraging and I made dinner instead of ordering out or something. Um, I think the, you know, the way that it, I've been able to impact people just in a little way through food is probably what my favorite thing is. And that you're literally in people's kitchens with them and you're not there. I think that's really cool. <laughs> I think that is pretty awesome. Oh my goodness. Well, Amanda, I have loved talking with you and I, I feel like I could do it forever. Ever oh, uh, and I and I know that my listeners are going to want to connect with you and I, and I keep teasing this. I'll give you a chance in a second to let them know where you can do that. But I know they're also going to be wondering, you know, what's next? <laughs> what's next for you? You have a darling family, so perhaps you're like nothing is next for me but hanging out with my girls. Yeah. <laughs> but what's next for you in in this next season? Maybe in the course of the next year, career wise, life wise, what's what's coming up for you? What can we be looking forward to? Yeah. Since I never like to sit still, um, the next kind of giant um, project that I'm working on, I've been working on it for about a year and I haven't really told people, um, but I'm opening a fast food restaurant here in Nashville. Um, oh, and that has been in the works for about a year. Obviously, it's a crazy, crazy time to be opening a restaurant. Yes. Um, but it's, it's going to open later, probably this summer. Wow. Congratulations. Do we have a name? Thank you. We do. It's going to be called Radish Kitchen. And it is, um, you know, just healthy things that I like to serve my family. It's salads, it's grain bowls, it's pitas, it's wraps. Um, mm. I'm going to try and get a frozen yogurt machine in there just because I want it. But it's just really healthy, um, accessible, vibrant food that you can get really quick. Um, and that's delicious. It's just kind of what I want to eat. It's what I want to serve my family. So I'm hoping that everyone else here in Nashville will want that too. 
Oh, I have no doubt they'll want to. And visitors (laughs) like myself will want to. How fun is that? Well, again, congratulations. That's huge. And I'm sure the timing will pan out that people will just be running to the restaurants. Everyone's going to be so excited to come and check it out. Oh my gosh. Well, again, congratulations. That is huge. Yeah. And I mean, I'm done cooking. I don't know how everyone else feels, but I'm, you know, tonight I was going to make dinner and I told my husband, I was like, we just have to order out. Like I, yes. even if you cook for a living at some point, you're just tired. <laughs> so I get it. And I think, um, I think there's a need for this kind of vibrant, quick, fast, healthy food here, um, which I'm excited to kind of create for people. Well, and to hear too, that, you know, originally you said a fast food. I mean, it's fast food, but wow, to put that healthy spin on it, I think that's just what America needs, actually. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't think that there, it, there's no reason that fa- that healthy food needs to be, you know, slow food. We can, you can be in and out. You had it a lot, obviously, in oh. California, um, yeah. but there's no reason that um, fast food needs to be bad for us. And so Absolutely. I want to kind of create a way for people to eat healthy um, quickly. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so cool. Uh, well, we will all be on the lookout and we will all have to come and visit because that is no small feat. Wow. It's, it's been a huge learning curve and opportunity, um, but I'm excited to kind of see where it goes. Oh, absolutely. Well, I just have just two more questions for you. And and one of them is kind of one that I I love to ask my guests. It, it ties in with just this theme of networking and reaching out to people. So many of my listeners are, are recent grads or women who are actually pivoting in their career and wondering how you have done what you've done. Yeah. And I love to encourage folks when they're networking and when they're speaking with people to, to touch base and say, hey, who do you know that I should maybe know. And I would love to ask who you might know or who you might think of that should come on the podcast and share their how'd she do that story. Oh, that is such a great question. Um, well, thanks. I think first off, my boss in the Williams Sonoma Test Kitchen, her name is also Amanda, but Amanda Haas would be a really great person to interview. She <sighs> you know, is one of my mentors and helped kind of shape my career. Um, and she's also kind of of the like mind of just reach out, say hello and, you know, ask for help and they'll help wow. or talk or you know, they'll connect. So yeah. I think Amanda Haas should definitely be on there. And then also um, I would say the, the owner of San Francisco cooking school, Jody Liano, and it's not necessarily have to be, you know, pivoting to the food world, but she, an interesting story where she, I think was working at Amazon um, and left you know, this was early, early Amazon and left and opened this cooking school. So she, both Amanda and Jody, have done the kind of pivot in their careers um, and can provide a lot of insight and inspiration for people looking to do that. Oh, well, that will be amazing. You all will have to be on the lookout for Amanda's recommendations and guests. Thank you so much. I would love to speak with them and to share their insight and wisdom. Well, I know that people are likely going to send this episode to a friend because you are fantastic, Amanda, and I hope you guys will do so. And I've been teasing it all along. I know you guys are like, where do I get simple, beautiful food? Where do I find all of your cookbooks? How do I connect with Amanda? Amanda. Where can people connect with you? <laughs> so I think Instagram's best place. It's at Amanda Fredrickson. You can send me a DM or sometimes it's easier, easier just send me an email. Um, sometimes the DMs get lost, but please reach out. I would love to meet you and talk to you um, and just say hello. And then the cookbook can be found on the major retailer t- retailers like Amazon 
or Barnes and Nobles, or if you want to support um, your local bookstore, check out IndieBound and it will source whatever local bookstore that is near you that carries um, simple, beautiful food. Beautiful. Well, Amanda, thank you so much for your time today. This was truly a pleasure to have you on How'd She Do That? And I can't wait to meet you and come say hi at some point in Nashville. I would love that. Please do. Thanks so much. Great. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you all for listening to today's episode of How'd She Do That? I am Emily Landers. You can follow me on Instagram at Emily Landers and the podcast at How'd She Do That Podcast. Please join us next Tuesday for a new episode. We will talk to you soon.